As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting normally out of the University of Guelph in Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Instead, this is the very localized version. In fact, the completely under one roof outside of the <laughs> university uh, edition of Android's Dungeon, a show about games, music, movies, books, things that irritated us as we walked into the studio, or in this case, the house itself. I am joined by Kayla Campbell. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Jack. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Kayla. Thank you for asking. <laughs> we're we're recording from. I think uh, if you were to, as the crow drills through the drywall, uh, we are probably two meters away from each other right now. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I'm sure a, a eagle-eared forensic uh, investigator could probably pick up on. <laughs> <laughs> the ambient sound of each other uh, of of us speaking <laughs> as each, uh, in the background so well, it doesn't hopefully, matter. There's n- hopefully there's no forensic what'd you call them voice investigator yeah well we'll say uh eagle-eared eagle-eared i hope there's no eagle ears listening yeah that'd be well you know what it'd be i'd love to have someone listening <laughs> i just don't wow. want to necessarily have it as a some sort of CSIS or fbi eagle ear person okay well, let's hope by. for the best yeah. Uh, like I said, Android Dungeon, you can check us out on CFRU.ca. You might be listening to us live even via that or on the radio. People occasionally do listen to the radio, terrestrial radio, or most likely via your favorite podcasting services. I don't know the names of all of them. I know we publish via Anchor when we do publish, <laughs> which is is kind of infrequent these days. So that's, yeah, we got to sort that out. Anyway, uh, get the show rolling. Kayla, what have you been playing recently? Jack, all I've been playing recently is train games. Train games and more train games. You hate trains, don't you? I hate trains, it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's actually... It's, it's kind of disturbing how much... It's like the, the games we played recently have all... Like, they all revolve around a single concept, which is, like, roots and track and uh stock and stock and uh uh getting from point a to point b maximizing the amount of money and points you make at the mm-hmm. start the process um we we didn't get a chance to talk about it because frankly i forgot even though we played i think uh within rapid succession about uh, half a dozen games of it uh in one weekend but northern pacific uh why don't you Talk a little bit about Northern Pacific. Well, Northern Pacific is a surprisingly easy game. and Shockingly uh, easy. Shockingly easy, although I still had challenges explaining it. But uh, the idea is that you're laying track across uh, the northern part of the United States. And you're going from one city, can't remember what it's called, a city, to Seattle. 
And of course, as we all know, if you're trying to go from the East Coast to the West Coast, there are a number of different routes that you could take. And that's all laid out in Northern Pacific. So your objective is to try to figure out which routes are going to be used. So you get a number of tokens and you get to place them on the board uh, further out along the route at any point you like. And you have to hope that either you can steer the route in that direction or you can convince the people around you to steer the route in that connection. Because if the route hits the city that you're in, you get to take your cube back and you get to take another cube from your stock. If the route doesn't hit your spot, then your cube is stuck on the board. You don't get it. Uh, and at the end of the game, the person with the most cubes in their pile gets the points. So it's uh, it's very cutthroat. Uh, Jack and I, I think, screwed each other quite a few times by cutting each other off. <laughs> there were some spiteful, uh, <laughs> spiteful maneuvers. <laughs> it was very spiteful. It's a very spiteful game, but it's very simple. And I think it was, it's very easy to pick up in terms of uh, skill level and like knowledge. Like it's very entry level, but it's really good game. Yeah, mechanically it is dirt simple. So to add on to what you were describing, the actions of the game are, there are two actions. That's it. You either put a cube down onto any of, this, any of the areas. Um, it goes east to west. Uh, so you can put a cube down on any spot that a train has not already uh, gone past, or, or you build a connection to one of these uh, locations. And the map itself, I'd say if I have one criticism of the game, the, the graphic design and the map itself is a little muddy, so it's not always super mm -hmm. clear where the tracks are taking you. Uh, and the, they occasionally can kind of do a weird double back or uh, gives you more options than are at first apparent. So it is a little... Uh, on the um, confusing side with regard to the directions sometimes the trains can go, the legal movements. But aside from that, it is extremely simple. And like you described, it's just a matter of anticipating where people are going. And you basically want to piggyback on top of other people's interests. And it, it's a game of reading other people completely. And you want to deci decide and make it so that it is advantageous for your opponents to either jump onto where you are or to send a train to where you are because they've got stuff there or because you've maybe helped them out down the line. They're going to look at you and say, all right, well, Kayla helped me that one time, which she didn't have to, so I'm going to extend the favor. But that's where it gets messy because it's just almost, I don't want to say... Um, prisoner's dilemma stuff but it's a, it's you could mathematically kind of go through and look at it from the perspective of should i help this person uh, if i do we all benefit if i don't um a lot of people are punished but sometimes it's better to punish more people because i come out ahead and uh, i may lose one but the guy who's ahead and somebody else loses one too um and it slows them down and possibly uh, can set me up for future rounds and um it's it's tremendous it's just so simple but there's so much there's there's a fair amount of kind of like this larry david staring at somebody kind of giving them the eyes and <laughs> moving your head back and forth and you're going what are you going to do what are you going to do um uh, i i think there's a ton of depth to it and it, it goes beyond just mathing things out because like we said you can put a cube down anywhere on the map um 
so you can try to like be a, a crazy person, put cubes, like work your way from west to east and somehow try to influence things, which would be interesting. But I, I, I think there's a lot of room for uh, this to become some sort of, uh, <laughs> it's like a, a nice either opener or palate cleanser after playing some other stuff. But uh, mm -hmm. what do you think, Gil? I think it's a, well, I think you could use it for both. I think it's a great opener. Especially if you're doing like a whole afternoon of games, maybe you're mm -hmm. doing that to start and then you're moving into an 18x. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think what you would do is if, as far as um, complexity goes, I'd say this is on the, uh, this is like a, on the low side, I'd say Ticket the Ride is more complicated than this. Uh, then you go up to something like Irish Gage uh, mm -hmm. and like Chicago Express. And then I think once you figure that out, you're firmly in the realm of like, all right, we can do 1830. Like we can figure this out because <laughs> it's honestly not complicated. Um, and I think that's the, uh, I think that's the uh, the route to train insanity. So, um, aside from that, I think it's been pretty quiet for us. Like we haven't really played anything recently of of note. Um, I think we played something on the weekend though that we can talk about, and this would be kind of interesting to hear your thoughts on. Because we got to play via the always lovely, always smooth, and just absolutely fantastic service, 18xx.games. Uh, oh my we gosh, played... their website is phenomenal. I like, love you, playing games on their site. You could, do you appreciate it also from a design perspective? Because you work on designing websites and these types of services all day long. Do you appreciate what they're doing on their website? Uh I do. I can appreciate the uh, the like architecture and effort that goes into it because it's very complex. It's it's making a very complex game easy to work with. I think in terms of the actual UI, there's a little bit that could be improved. It's actually not the most modern in terms of the components they're using and the style. But I think that the actual like business logic that they must be using business is, logic. <laughs> is very impressive because it is really taking this game that's really complex, especially when you get, we played one the other weekend that had shorts in it. And so when you start thinking about all of the things that it's doing and knowing what it is to set up the game, I think that they've put in a lot of effort, especially when we played a variant this weekend so they're not only supporting the base game but they're also supporting the variant so it is definitely uh very interesting in that regard i've looked at it um i've thought about that a little bit in terms of the design and what it must take to get to this point but i mean it could it could use a little bit of finesse in the in the design department if they're looking yeah. Well, what would you, when you say it needs some finessing or some design improvements, what are you thinking of specifically? Because I'm curious. Yeah. I just think some of the like components, like even the buttons are using are a little bit outdated. The uh, color scheme is a little outdated. I think that um, the like little rudimentary chat thing is just not necessary. Like, I think they should be looking at the analytics on that to see if anyone's actually using it. I think you'd be surprised I, on that one. Sorry to interrupt you because a lot of people don't play who are friends. There's a lot of random people that join games. So aside from that, I think that's how they primarily communicate. But how much do you really need to communicate in the game is kind of my question. But maybe they are using it. You're right. My, my experience is definitely biased by the fact that we play with people that we know. Or in the same um, room. <laughs> yeah. 
And I think just like, you know, small things like you can see like the word game entities map, they all have like these little underlines. Uh... I'm, I'm guessing my guess is that those are keywords. Like if I hit a, I'm mm-hmm. hit, yeah, it goes to that section. So like, I see what they're doing. And that's why they've kind of done it that way. Uh, but that actually reminds me of our old, old software or like um, the software company I work for, our old software had similar things. You hit the letter M and it went to a screen or, uh, you know, you can see that in theirs, they have to double up. So tiles and tools have the same letters. So they have T for one and O for the other. And again, maybe their analytics show that people use that, but I, d- I doubt it. <laughs> I have a feeling that they don't. So I wonder if analytics are even capturing that sort of stuff because I know the the creator of the or the guy who runs the website Toby Mao I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll post. I don't know if it's a weekly thing, but he'll do this the statistics and this one I am sure he really cares about. And I and I bet he gives it or he sells it uh, to the people who um, mm-hmm. um, he he licenses these games from because it's all free. Nobody's making money on this. You can donate yeah. to him via Patreon to kind of help keep the lights on. But uh, I'm sure the people who are playing these games or designing them would love to know the background. Like, what are people doing when they're playing these games? Yeah. What are the are there? Is there a dominant strategy that seems to be broken? Can we fix mm-hmm. that? But he anyway. That's- what I'm saying is that he posts every week the the top games played. And yeah. uh, see, that's interesting as well. Like at, from the perspective of the game designers, yeah, uh, it would be like this is a source of information. And I imagine again, just thinking about what I do for a living when I'm not playing games, thinking about trying to capture like as a game designer and you print a physical board game, you know how many copies are out there and you can, if people engage with forums and reviews and do podcasts and YouTube videos, you kind of get a sense of what works in your game, what doesn't, if they're motivated, they might contact you. But unlike like most websites and even this website, you don't actually get to see what people are doing. Where are they getting hung up? Where are they dropping off? Which is something you can see mm. on most like e-commerce websites. So it's very different. So that might be an interesting, uh, I've never really thought about it that way, but that might be something that's really interesting for someone who's designing 18X. Or if you're looking at like tabletop simulator or using other online platforms for games, it might be a really valuable source of information for those board game designers that they wouldn't have had before, especially with the pandemic and everyone playing games online and from home. So it's kind of interesting to think about that. No, it's actually, that's a great way to put it. And to be honest, until we start talking about it, I never even considered that aspect, but you're absolutely no, right. And I'm sure that if people contacted them, like some of these designers and said, Hey, Toby, uh, can I look at the stats on people playing 1817 and seeing like mm. how do they how many people actually finish these games? Are there mm-hmm. is are they playing the uh, in a certain way? Are they even using the shorts? Are they doing something else? And you can kind of look at it and kind of go along mm-hmm. the way. I've always thought that's one of those the idea that the the old saying in the um, I'm not sure what industry, but you could say that maybe the software, the service industry is that uh, if if the software, if you're if you're not paying for the software, uh, you're the product, as mm-hmm. in they're they're looking at what you're doing and they're selling your information to yeah. to somebody else, unless they're supposedly trying to be. Uh, <laughs> you've come in here pouring some tea. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're a listener. listener. <laughs> I can, there's you a little, hear that. little bit of a, a feedback going on there. Anyway. Uh, I just think it's really cool, and I I should try to get an interview with Toby Mao. I think that'd be an interesting uh, conversation to have. Yeah. 
So yeah, I'll maybe I'm come shoot on him your show. I'm going to shoot him an email and see what he says. I can't see why, unless he's infamously shy, but uh, who knows. But uh, yeah, I should be interviewing these guys. Why not? If there's ever yeah. time to do it. Uh, anyway, so we got to play. Uh, and I feel like this is what we're going to be doing here. Is like, I feel like, because uh, it's been a long time since you're on the show, Kayla. Uh, uh, we, I want to get your thoughts on some of these games. And like you've said before, we've mostly been playing um, these these bigger games, these 18xxs. Then, frankly, I don't even think they're that big. And I was, and I don't want to get off on a uh, on a rant here, but somebody commented on one of these threads I read about how. Um, how they were they were considering getting a copy of 18 Chesapeake or 18 Mechs, um, and they were concerned about uh, can I how difficult is this for my friends? We mostly play uh, Euros, like midweight uh, to heavy Euros, and I responded saying that I honestly think these games are less complicated than a lot of the things on our shelves uh, downstairs, uh, and I think we could go through the shelves and pick up games that are just that are equally as complex, if not more so. Uh, in the in the general sort of euro game uh, category, uh, like just behind me right now, I'm looking at uh, Maracaibo, and I found that to be a fairly dense game. Not necessarily once you get playing it, but I find the it, deeply confusing from the get go. And uh, some other stuff like uh, like Roll for the Galaxy is has a huge. It's very simple once you play it, but on the surface, it's extremely complicated and has a lot going on. But um, we got to play. Uh, 1846, the two-player variant on, uh, was it Saturday or Sunday? Hmm. Uh, Doesn't matter. Unclear. So do you, do you want to talk about that or do you want me to set it up a bit? Why don't you set it up? 1846 is a game by, I believe, Tom Lehman, who I'm pretty sure also does uh, Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy. I might be mixing it up. Uh, published by GMT Games, at least this new version was. I don't know who did the original. Original, and it's subtitled "Race to the Midwest," and that kind of ties us in a little bit with Northern Pacific in a sense. Uh, but 1846, if you know uh, where I'm going with this, is another entry in the new obsession of mine, which is the 18xx series, and it follows in the system designed by Francis Tresham, 1829, 1830, in which players take on the role of investors. Uh, railway tycoons who are starting train companies and trying to make the most money without going bankrupt uh, before the bank breaks, in, mo in most cases. Um, so 1846 uh, has a couple of wrinkles into the mix. It has a different auction in which uh, you're not really bidding on companies per se. Uh, you're kind of just grabbing them and uh, going around in a circle until people have passed. Uh, it has... Every tile lay costs you 20 bucks, which is actually extraordinarily expensive, and you find it's quite difficult at the beginning. Uh, it's got multiple jumps in stock price if you pay out properly. And it's incremental capitalization, meaning companies float at 20%, and uh, they only ever get money by players buying uh, shares from the treasury at current market value or companies' uh, withholds. Uh, they can also issue shares in 1846, which is, I think, a fascinating idea in which the company can deliberately sell shares to the market at, uh, what, uh, at whatever the price is less one on the chart. Uh, so lots of different things to do, but and then the general principles are the same. 
So we played the two-player variant, which is, I don't know if it's official. I think Tom Lehman has created it. Um, and it, it doesn't come with the game, even though I honestly think it should at this point. Um, but what it does is it reduces the number of corporations and it blocks off uh, some of these tokening spots on the map. And it leads to things being a bit tighter. And that's where I'm going to go and ask Kayla what she thought about 1846. I liked 1846. It has a mechanic in it that I really enjoyed, which is the half payout. And um, I don't know if I'm like jumping into the middle of it when I should be starting at the beginning, but the half no, payout fine. I think is super valuable. So if you haven't played 18X, I'll just give you a quick recap. When you lay track and you run your trains, you can do one of two things generally in most games that we've played. You can pay out dividends, so all of the stockholders get a share of the run that you just did, which is great for your stock value on the market. The other option is you can withhold, and you might withhold if you know you're going to need to buy a train, your company's super broke, but it means you're going to slay on the stock market, which is also a challenge because overall you want your stock to be valuable because that counts towards your money at the end of the game and your overall worth. In a couple of these games that we've been playing lately, including 1846, which we played on the weekend, you can half pay out where you give half dividends to your shareholders and keep the rest for your company. I think this is a great way to kind of like save up. You don't get all that money at once, but you're also not penalized by going too far down. This well, scale. sometimes depending on your payout too, you may still move over as well yes. as long as you're paying out more than your current stock price. Exactly, which is super beneficial. So sometimes in these games, if you pay out fully, you might move two spots um, mm -hmm. or you might move none if you do a half pay or you might move one. And I think that's a really cool mechanic because it balances your company's need to fund your activities, especially when you're paying for tiles, especially in these games where you're getting, unlike 1830, when you float a company, you're not automatically given 10 times the stock the par value you have to actually fund that company with every um with every certificate that's sold and that can be really challenging because if no one's going to buy into your company especially in a two-player game you're either left to fund it on your own or you have to try to fund it with your like half pays or withholding yeah and especially with the incremental capitalization there's also the added part of that so typically in these games you want to rush to owning as many shares as possible in these companies because if not you're just leaving money on the table because let's say mm -hmm. 1830 excuse me shares in the treasury they don't do anything they just exist they need to be purchased um and i i, I think it's only when they're in the bank pool that they actually pay to the company which is kind of it doesn't make sense that's why i think a lot of other companies change uh, games have changed that so the problem is, is that uh, if you did that in 1846, for example, so let's say you start a company part at, uh, we'll just say 68 bucks or 70 bucks. Uh, you can own a maximum of 60% in this game. So let's say you immediately, somehow you have the capital necessary or you're playing one of these games, immediately everyone buys into this company. Sure, you've got a lot of starting capital, but that's as much as this company's ever going to get without you half paying or withholding. So it's, it's, it's at the beginning of the game, it's fine. You don't really care. Around the middle of the end, though, that becomes a huge problem because uh, these trains are expensive and you need the capital to 
afford these trains. And Kayla actually got in a position where she started a company, um, but the train rush suddenly hit. And I think you didn't have enough capital within the company to buy a train immediately. So you had to issue shares. And uh, I don't know if you had to pay out of pocket for one of them as well to subsidize it, but you, you oh, definitely paid sure it a did. bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. 1846, what, what was your overall thoughts compared to the other ones? Because I know you like half pays, and so do I. Mm -hmm. um, what, what about the game in general, though? I think that in general, it was good. Uh, I got a little confused with all of the privates. There was a lot of private companies, especially with two players. It was also not always just with the... Because it was our first time using the board, it wasn't always clear where the railway started true absolutely there was yeah. at least at least two times where we each thought the railway started in a different spot than it started so mm -hmm. you're kind of planning okay that railway makes sense for me because i'm already down there or my private is already working its way down there yeah. or i have some other infrastructure that makes sense and then you're like oh wait you you started in a very different position than i expected yeah, so that was that, weird. That was weird. I don't know why, because it happened to both of us. And like, well, I can make that mistake. That's fine. But I, it's surprising to me that we both did it. Well, it's because we looked, and I think it's because, again, it gets back to the question of the confusion over the private companies, which is always one of the most confusing parts of these games. Nobody really understands because little words and, and uh, acronyms or both of us. Uh, for me, it was the PRR. And for you, I forget which uh, start that company and no, it started somewhere else. So that it was confusing. Private purchases to align with my railways or really use my privates in the rail. Anyway, I think Craig's back. So uh, now that Craig's joined, we can immediately take a break and play a bit of music and we'll be back in a second. <laughs> Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 F1M. You just heard two tracks off of the Slime Golem album, Slime Golem, the short but touching tale of a slime golem, remastered. Uh, the first track being uh, Swamp Crawling, a golem out of clay emerges from the banks of the Ilka River. And the second track, You Have Summoned the Slime Golem, Master in Awe of His Creation. Uh, one of the more unique Dungeon Synth albums I've listened to recently definitely takes you on a journey. And I think when you read the uh, the little blurb that the uh, artist attached to the album, basically his liner notes, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense. So really tremendous. Highly recommend listening to the whole thing if this is your jam. Weirder. Uh, and uh, it hits, hits all the notes properly. So uh, before the break and before Craig decided to disconnect on us a couple times and before the dog decided to pretend he had to go pee uh only to hustle kale outside and p.s he didn't have to go pee he just felt like it uh we were discussing train games northern pacific 1846 um and we're gonna i think i'm turning this into a bit of a recap because like i said kayla hasn't been on the show in a while and i wanted to hear her thoughts on some of the stuff we played so let's we're working our way backwards in terms of uh the stuff we've played recently so the previous weekend, we got to play uh, 1849. 1849 is set in Sicily. We talked about it uh, on the previous episode with uh, Joel. Uh, so I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but I want to hear Kayla's thoughts on that one. And hopefully you remember it, Kayla. Yeah, really digging back two weekends here. Yeah. Do you remember it? Yeah, I'm kind of drawing a blank. It's it's weird. They're all starting to kind of blend together. Uh, it's hard for me to like pick out the unique things about them. Um, what was interesting about Sicily? Uh, here, I'm going to help you out here. So, okay. 49 is uh, it carries a, a lot of similarities with some of the other ones. I believe it also it has um, incremental capitalization, so in which companies float at 20. percent uh, but the companies or the corporations themselves are set in a random linear order. So you can only yes. ever start one at a time. That was kind uh, of fascinating. You're was really all limited to one at a time. But I'll, again, yeah, the incremental investment, that was, it's all coming yeah. back to me now. And the, the, the interesting about that is that it promises a lot of replay value because it would take a lot of time for you to see the same game and to have the same people or same behavior twice mm -hmm. in uh, 49 with the, the way the corporations, public corporations are randomized. Uh, the other thing that was really weird about it is it has the, uh, the variable gauge, track gauge options. So you have yes. regular gauge, narrow gauge, and dual gauge. And the narrow gauge is that its gimmick is that it's slow, it takes uh, two of your movement points per hex to get through them, but it's cheap to lay through the mountains. And the mountain tiles are expensive in 1849. Uh, you're sometimes looking at, um, I think, like 120 bucks sometimes or $160 some of these mountain lays, which is almost a train purchase at the beginning of the game, uh, if not more. So uh, is that bringing more bells with you now? Yes. Sorry, <laughs> that helps quite a bit. The track was interesting, but also kind of annoying because you have this route, it's beautiful, you have this wonderful six train, and then you can only go 
three tiles because of the variable tracks and because your train moves in hexes, not in stops. Yep. And that was kind of challenging. Yeah. The, uh, and we didn't get there either, but it's also got a, a, a volcano eruption that destroys one of the tiles <laughs> completely, which yeah. uh, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to. And the other part, too, is that we, we screwed up a couple things where uh, I think we misinterpreted the value of some of the tiles. And also, you were shortchanging yourself and your investors, Caleb, because you had that $90 port tile that was to the right of where you started. And, oh, yeah. And you forgot to include that most times. <laughs> but uh, 1849, I think uh, it's supposedly a lot of people consider it one of the ones they just play fr super frequently because really? it's, sh it's short enough and has enough mm -hmm. variety that uh, I think between that and 1846, a lot of people uh, play a lot. But it's some, mm -hmm. I'm sure you can say the same for any of them. Uh, all right, so let's move on then because I think 49 was... Uh, was maybe we need some more plays where we talk about that a bit more but uh another one we played for the first time uh and not to completion either was with our friends uh in england and that's 1817 so we played that with karen and chloe uh, and i think you remember 1817 a bit more than the others but if you don't let me know and i can try to help you a bit were you making a yeah. noise? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean, don't rely on me to tell you all the rules, but yeah, yeah. that one is the one where we had the shorts and no. no yes, exactly. You, the first time we played with half pace, which I'm very interested in. Uh, I'm trying to think about how else that game went, but that's kind of where I'm, I'm landing. Maybe you want to jump in on your thoughts the uh so we again we've talked about 1817 a little bit on the show so i don't want to go into it too much um it, it's without a doubt the biggest and chromiest a bunch that mm -hmm. a game that we've played absolutely gigantic uh total sandbox experience uh it has loans you're highly encouraged to take loans the more loans that are out there though the higher is the interest payments uh there are mergers oh, loans yes i forgot about the loans and the interest uh, there are, there are mergers, there are friendly takeovers, there are uh, liquidations. Um, companies can be started in any order. There are tons of them. They have no set start locations, so, and they're all identical. They don't have any special powers or any things. So the companies are just basically toys for you to play with, more so than I think other ones. Um, and the game has unlimited tiles and an unlimited bank. And what happens is the game ends after a set number of rounds uh, determined by the amount of trains being purchased and every round a train disappears. Um, so there's always going to be a set number of rounds based on absolutely nothing happening, but there's also players buying the trains, making things disappear, but there are a lot of them to buy and there's a lot of, uh, it, it's generally considered to be the one that's filled with financial shenanigans, but uh, hmm. maybe that, maybe that'll help you out a little bit more. Um, what were your thoughts on 1817? Uh, there were definitely things I thought were interesting about it. Again, half pay is great. Loans were interesting, but very tricky. But I like the flexibility of being able to get cash pretty quickly. I think overall of the games we've played, it's definitely not in my top three. Uh, I don't love it as much as like Max, as 1830, even like 1846 that we played this weekend, I think is better in my opinion. I don't know. It just it it felt very complicated. Maybe I was just like having an off day and I wasn't as into it as I should have been. But it it just didn't like strike a chord with me. Mm -hmm. it, it's odd because seventeen is the one that I've been thinking about the most out of all the ones mm -hmm. we've played recently. Because I think there's just so 
there's so much to do so many to i think i was describing so many levers to pull uh, that I think it, it's definitely one of those games that I think if you saw somebody at the top of there who really knew how it worked, kind of playing around with it, it'd be something to behold. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think there's just so much to be said for it in terms of its sandbox and its its capabilities of generating this this economic <laughs> like robber baron simulation that I don't know, something about it just has like captured me. And uh, I, I think I actually honestly went to sleep uh, dreaming about it one night because <laughs> I was just trying to think about how things worked and uh, how to play around with it but uh, yeah I, I don't think there's much more to be said uh, the only one that we haven't touched on is 1889 which we play two player and that's the one set in Japan do you remember that one at all Kale? Uh a little bit I wouldn't rely on me for that one either, but um, Cal, I'm disappointed yeah, these games are not sticking in your mind. <laughs> like, uh... I'm sorry, Jack. There's so many 18x versions that they're all just kind of melding together. Unless we've played it a lot, 18 Max really stands out for me because I really like it, and we've played it a lot. We have played that one a bunch. Six yeah. is fresh in my mind, so it sticks out. Uh, I think the Japan one. I don't the know Japan. that I. The Japan one's very similar to 1830. Yeah. It seems simple and straightforward. Maybe it just wasn't like, it didn't splash. Mm-hmm. There was nothing like groundbreaking about it. There's no half pays that, you know, boggled <laughs> yeah, my yeah, mind. Yeah. It's, it's very similar to 1830. It's, it's yeah. almost the exact same thing, almost skin that way. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Just uh, we're doing a rundown here. So, uh, you know, I think that may do it for us for this week. I'm going to play another track. Uh, that's going to take us out to the end here. Um, but before we go, I want to say thank you for filling in for this week. And uh, hopefully, I, I think we, we might be able to get in uh, another game on uh, this weekend with our friends who have heard so much about these games. And I'm excited how they uh, <laughs> respond to <laughs> uh, one of these games. Because I, I think... Uh, I think one of them gets. Ext- I think they both get very competitive, but I think one of them gets very competitive. So this will be very interesting to see. <laughs> Hopefully, there's no fights. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, on that note, we're going to go to music, and I'm going to uh, exit the show as well by identifying the track, which is the track "Temporal Paradox" off of Martin Stutzer's. Uh, album Temporal Paradox. Thanks for listening to CFRU 93.3 FM. Check us out on Facebook uh, where we hang out, the Guelph Board Gamers Group. You can drop us a line there, ask to join. You have to pass a skill testing question of what is your favorite game. Um, check us out on all your favorite podcasting websites and on Instagram uh, where uh, Kayla is the person who is usually running that account because she's very good at using the Instagram 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 uh on uh i think it's uh what's the name of it kayla is it uh android's dungeon oh jack really putting me on the spot here it is android's dungeon cfru android's dungeon cfru there you go yep so check us out there and uh we'll see you next week talk to you later bye goodbye all right we're good